The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Greetings. This is uh, Stefan Ward-Wheaton here on Civil Politics on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. Um, I'm here uh, bringing you your usual roundup of uh, evening politics on Fridays here on the station, and I have Sue Timberlake. <gasps> I'm s- here for a change. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> our stalwart uh, uh, columnist slash uh, contributor. Right? <laughs> yes, and of course uh, the inimitable Dr. Roberts on the boards and uh, handling... Chief Justice. Chief Justice Roberts. Roberts. Handling. Okay. okay, he's given himself a promotion. Excellent. He's mad with power. Um, <laughs> handling our tech. And so The way yes. they handled Texas, I'm kind of proud of the Supreme Court, too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Oh, my goodness. So uh, just very quickly, uh, I want to remind you that uh, if you're interested in our little program, or you uh, want to find out more about us, you can find us on social media at uh, Civil Politics. Well, first of all, I should say uh, you can email us if you have any feedback that you want to send to us, civilpoliticsradio at gmail.com. But you can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we are at CivilPoliticsFM. And... On Facebook, you can find us, facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. Uh, we also, on Facebook and Twitter, we post live updates during the show. So uh, definitely check us out there. Um, so we've got, a, we've got a big docket of talk, uh, topics <laughs> this week. We'll see if we can cover them all. Um, but I think we should probably start with the inev- inevitable... Oh, yes. Hashtag, yes, hashtag uh, civil references is where you can find our um, on Facebook or on Twitter. Look, look for the hashtag civil references to for our sourcing on on different topics. On exactly. the things we make yes. up every night. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then John refines a, a source so we look better. Right? <laughs> we try to find some some grounding for our opinions in in the world of what we think might be fact. Um, but, of course, I think we have to address the um, elephant in the room, so to speak, which is the yes, the president's remarks. Behind um, closed doors. Behind right? closed doors, but that were repeated and reported uh, without, without, um, without redaction yeah. in a lot of media circles. The, the Washington Post... Uh, did not bother to redact the and if if you're wondering if you've been under a rock for the last 24 hours or so um uh the president was asking in a closed door uh session why we are taking uh so many immigrants from blank hole countries and you can probably fill in the blank there and it's um, like the temporary something status it's like a special program right it's right in, it's, it's for people that had catastrophes or wars yeah Tem- there's an ex they get expedited yeah. essentially there's a lot for for the immigrate the legal immigration process to the US, US there's essentially a lottery that you enter um and it's uh there's a huge backlog, which is part of why we have so many issues with um, immigration in general. 
Um, but there, there is priority status for people who are coming from distressed regions or who have refugee status. Um, if you'll remember back during the, yeah, I believe we have some. Also brown people. Also brown people. He said uh, he named El Salvador, um, some African countries, and Haiti. Right. And then he said, why can't we get people from Norway? Yes. <laughs> irony of ironies. Uh, this person who spent the uh, bulk of the 2016 campaign basically poo-pooing um, European social democracy has now found Norway to be an exemplar of, uh, of what we should be um, you know, taking in. And, of course, all these other countries are arrayed against them, mostly poor, um, almost entirely people of color living in these places. It's, it's a, I mean, <laughs> at this point, I'm running out of language that I can use to accurately describe how terrible this is. Yeah. You know, we're, we're sort of entering a twilight zone, and we've been in one, honestly, for a while. But this is someone who just seems to have not it, it's an extra, I think, insult because it's so casual. Well, it's ignorant. We, we were right. going to do a show a while ago about Africa and the upcoming nature of the African countries. Yeah. And it, it's like he doesn't even know that he doesn't know. Right. In a way. Um, I should say Africa. Africa. Um, first of all, we, when we talk about Africa, we have to be careful to be specific because yep. this is a manifold continent full of different peoples and ethnicities <coughs> and traditions and histories, um, in somewhat comfortably existing, huh? And music. And, music. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, and if you listen on Wednesday nights, <laughs> yeah. you can find some of that right more here. I'm trying to give um, you an in man. Come on. Yeah. Warm, warm, <laughs> I'm terrible at self promotion. Warm Heart of um, Africa warm plays heart, on. Yes, that's I, right. Local I'm, program. On I moonlight station. on Wednesdays, uh, seven to nine p.m. Playing <laughs> Afropop if you're interested. Uh, but, um. The many African nations have the greatest rate of growth of, geo, of GDP, gross domestic product, and some of the highest population growth um, in on Earth. And in fact, the uh, people living in Africa are due to Africa is due to become the most populous continent, possibly even eclipsing um, Asia, Asia by twenty really? uh, by twenty one hundred. That those are estimates I've seen. I'll try to find some sourcing on that. But at the very least, there's going to be a dramatic growth in the importance of Africa and world affairs. Um, and there's resources going to be, too, right? That are that are yeah. had been exploited in the past, but actually aren't some of the countries getting more control over their destiny? And, right. There's a <laughs> tremendous natural resources. There is a this the reason why I harp so much about talking about Africa as opposed to um, Nigeria, South Africa, Egypt, Congo, Sudan, all these other countries is because they're all on different paths. There's tremendous amounts, there's a tremendously rich cultures and history here. And we tend to elide that in our thinking. We think of, you know, it's still almost just like Joseph Conrad, the Dark Continent kind of uh, yep. wrote about it 100 years ago. That thinking has still persisted, but it is, it, it so does not reflect the vibrancy and the dynamism that is coming out of the, what we would call the global south, Africa, South America, um, 
south certain parts of south asia these are up and coming regions and the population growth and the resource growth is starting to shift from the Euro, you know the eurosphere and from western europe and uh, north america australia etc to these regions that have been traditionally exploited and um, have been essentially under the thumb of colonial fiat. Um, so this is, in the midst of this transition, this kind of language in talk is, I mean, it's unacceptable in any context, but it, it's especially puerile and um, short-sighted and just so uncurious. I just, I can't believe how... Puerile, you mean childlike? Yeah. From the Latin? And yeah, <laughs> it, I, it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like trolling what it is and yeah. it, you know i see elements of sort of um the you know the deg degradation of our public discourse and i don't want to sound too high flown but this kind of thing is just it adds insult to injury in the midst of all these other political crises we're dealing with now it's not so much the vulgar it's not the vulgarity to be clear i think i think there's a certain um there is a certain license to be vulgar when you're trying to make a point. Yeah. This is not a point. This is just bigotry, ignorance, and um, dislike of the unknown. And that has characterized this first year yeah. of his of his presidency. Sometimes when he's done some of these things, I've thought it's been on purpose to change the subject. But I don't think he thought anybody in that room no. was going to repeat it. I think it's, he thought he was among the guys. Yeah, it's in careless fact, and sloppy. I, you know, I hadn't even, is there, were there any women in the room? I don't. I, yeah, I, I would I guess not. <laughs> yeah, because what would they were talking about? They were negotiating, right? Around Maybe possibly DACA. Um, uh, Huckabee Sanders. Oh, her, uh, the press, sec press secretary. That's yeah. the only person who might have been there that yeah. I think in that kind of closed door setting. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's and you know, and people are repeating it. People that actually there were Democrats in the room because Dick Durbin said that's that he, it is what he said. And other Republicans right. said they couldn't remember what he said. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and it's it's also in the context of Richard Wolff's book, Fire and Fury, yes. that has come which out, just, which is an, you know an expose. Um, we've reached such a ridiculous point that where even the expose gets lapped by the news cycle. I mean, you know, Richard Wolff writes about a lot of stuff, but this kind of thing just takes over. Yeah. And it is very chaotic and it is it does make it hard to remember. I had to ask people what we should talk about this week <sighs> just because I felt like I'd gotten cut in such a snowstorm yeah. of politics that I, I really can't see the forest for the trees. It's just like this. Well, exactly. Yeah. And it obscures the, you know, the intensity of all the changes and all of these um, things we're supposed to concentrate on that hit our you know news feed every day it it makes it difficult to concentrate on what's important and sort the wheat from the chaff and to see what's actually going on and what moves are actually happening behind the scenes because of this weird like carnival of the absurd that's yeah. emitting from the oval office do on you, a daily basis do you blame the media at all you know, I was thinking about it because right next uh, today's the twelfth, right? So the nineteenth, the government runs out of money again. Yeah, which is seven days away. We have another can to kick down the road. Yeah, and it's just people say it, and then they go on to the big story. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like it doesn't feel. 
substantive. That right. The, the news isn't substantive anymore. It's hugely substantive, but right. It's, well, our media has been, you know, has been undergoing a basically a hemorrhaging of talent and um, institutional knowledge. I mean, if you it started with the newspapers. It's bled into cable news as TV, as traditional TV networks are getting um, displaced by the internet yeah. and by um, YouTube and other senior sort of... editors are retiring or pushed out. Right, yeah. and there's there are fewer journalists. There are fewer people who have an expert knowledge of their specific field and are able to provide contextual detail and explain why it's important to talk about what we're talking about. It. You know, we've uh, there's a certain soundbite culture that I think I don't think it originated with the internet, but the internet has, um, you know, really just taken it and run with it. Where we see a headline, and the headline might be all that most people see, um, and that's where you get this phenomenon of clickbait, where you know you, you basically have these sort of you know fluffy um, kind of uh fact you know <laughs> low facts uh, reporting provocative that is, sort of misle- right it's designed <laughs> to be shared because it's designed to get an emotional reaction but it doesn't necessarily and often you know deliberately isn't provide you know isn't creating a space to have complex thought and to have kind of an analytical um an analytical view of the situation and that's really you know at this point, I, I mean, I'm not in Donald Trump's head. I don't know if he's doing this deliberately or if this is just kind of he is the perfectly wrong person for the moment in terms of just his attention deficit, borderline dementia. I'm not a doctor. I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know, <laughs> diagnose on the air. Certainly but impulse his, control issues. <laughs> yeah, his, his cadence and his syntax suggest to me that he is not thinking clearly a lot of the time. And that he had, his remarks are not prepared, even when they're supposed to be prepared, like during uh, marquee speeches. We're going to see what the State of the Union address looks like later this month. <laughs> I, I'm not expecting great things. Boy, but, a year flies when you're having right. fun. Huh? I just remembered that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. The State of the Union is coming up. Uh, and uh. and th- But this thing's like, you know blank hole to take over the news and that becomes all that people can talk about but meanwhile there are you know yeah the government's running out of money the government's running out of money daca we, kids are falling off the falling out of their employment as we speak right even though the deadline is March, right. there's people that already their deadline already came up yeah um, there's mudslides in california yeah. um there it's really a just you know I was emailing some friends who live in Santa Barbara, and when the fires were happening, I was emailing them asking them if they were okay. And they said, well, their house hasn't burned, but they had to vacate because of the smoke. (laughs) So this week, I emailed them when I saw the mudslides in the morning, that morning when I got up. And I emailed them, and they said, well, actually, our house is okay. We're about eight miles from where all that happened. And they're just horrified. You know, they did... They yeah. have dogs and moving people and their friends that have been killed or disappeared and and it happens so fast and it's 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 huge news and yet it's really dwarfed when right. you look at the news coverage you know what they spend the most minutes on this is I should be clear for our listeners this is these are mudslides in Ventura County in California which is actually a fairly affluent 
yeah. um, suburb of in north of the Los Angeles area, a little north. Oh, I think it's in L.A. County. No, no. It's just north of L.A. County. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, it. you know, it's it, California has been experiencing this really whiplash of, you know, going from fires to mudslides, from drought to these torrential rains. Um, you know, so up here in the Northeast, where we just got out of a pretty tough cold snap, it might be uh, tempting to think that climate change is, you know, every time we get we get weather that is what we expect to see, we say, oh, climate change is, you know, yeah. what about that climate change now? But it's happening, it's and it's a- affecting the west and the south disproportionately and you know people say hot or cold but it's really it's called the beta but it's the degree of variability that's right that's becoming larger (laughs) i guess is the way to put it yes yeah and and my my friends are um pretty wealthy because he invented the electronic cash register and the technology that oh permitted that. So, <laughs> you know, if you remember those old ones where you push the buttons down. I've seen <laughs> a few of those around, yes. Yeah. Well, he invented the way that you could keep the the um, the memory because the problem with electronic cash registers, when you right. turn them off or the battery went dead, you lost the records. And so he he created the battery technology that kept it in memory even when it was turned off oh. and with no battery. So it's a pretty interesting technology and ability to recharge batteries and keep them charged. And anyway, oh, okay, interesting. So they they had a place in Belmont and they moved to Santa Barbara. And I just can't believe what's happened since they've moved to yeah. Santa Barbara. It's it's frightening, and you know it's just it 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 helps when you know someone because they tell you what actually happened to them. Right, but you have it on the ground. But it's it's really horrifying and. You see the people searching for people and the and the firemen yeah. and the police, and yet they do it for what maybe five minutes, four minutes on the news, and then they're off to whatever was said today or yeah, so yeah. it was like something close to twenty people dead, more yeah. at least that number missing. or more are missing yeah um, yeah that's <laughs> it's tough, and you know on the one hand california is it's the largest state, it's growing all the time, it's incredibly multicultural. Um, even by American standards. So there's a lot, you know, a lot of interesting good stuff happening there, but they're having real difficulty. I think they're, you know, California is semi-arid in a lot of parts, especially the Central Valley and as you head towards the mountains away from the coast. But there's, it supports a ton of population that I think would not be possible without, you know, substantially changing the the environment there um and it's the bread it's not the bread basket but it's the lettuce and fruit yeah basket and tomato tomatoes you know for the whole country and all over the world yeah and you see it when they start to have a drought and trying to grow almonds with without any water i mean it's just it's really frightening i saw a piece today actually i didn't mention this before the show but cape town they're saying is maybe the first in uh, south africa maybe the first city to run out of water they were they were talking about how it's oh. been in this huge drought. They're trying to do desalination, and they just they're like up against the wall without a lot of choices. And it was just wow. an interesting little piece. Like they they name the first city that's going to run out of water, and it it's it's right. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it it's it, this is you know water is it's, uh, some people have called water the oil of the 21st century, and it's for reasons like this. You know yeah. we have a growing global population and increasingly less and less potable water and that potable water which we do have is controlled by fewer and fewer people governments and 
they almost they alike. were talking about privatizing the waterworks here in Northampton. Um, there yeah. was a discussion, brief discussion, and then one of the city councilors resigned after they voted that they would never do that. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, hmm, I wonder if that was one of his proposals, or you know, was it his initiative? Interesting. Yeah, it was interesting because he resigned within a few days of the no vote. Oh wow! Yeah. Was so. this a few uh, years ago? Uh, or? About two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, we have a new that. president of the city council and. Um, Ryan Ryan O'Donnell, I think, right? Because Dwight, um, Bill Dwight, stepped down as president of city council right. here. Although I think so. he still wants to be involved, you yeah. know, on a, maybe on a district level. But, um, yeah, he's stepping down from council president because I believe he uh, told HMP that essentially he he feels that he, you know, he, he wants to have a stronger voice in council president is a role that is more Arbitor, diplomatic yeah. and, and requires more consensus building, um, which is understandable. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of his, his political future since Bill Dwight's been a, is, is a VFR alumnus, used to have a show here a few years ago. We and have has a, been on, a couple of mugs that we got him to sign. Yeah, that. <laughs> we have our Bill Dwight legacy <laughs> mugs, and we, uh, we've had him back every so often yeah. on this program and others to just kind of, um, do the do yeah. and talk about the business yeah, of the city. Yeah, interesting guy. Very interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. Did you see, I'm sorry, I'm digressing. I'm all over the map today. Please. I'm sorry. It's a very I'm, long day. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep up with you. <laughs> yeah, so. Sorry. Um, but you may have seen that they, they, um, the mayor vetoed the mm. camera bill. Did you see that this yes. past week well, that the, they the, overrode the veto? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so there, the decision, so the full process is now finished. The council had, uh, passed the passed essentially um a measure prohibiting the gro- the expansion of cameras in downtown i yeah. believe that was my understanding the mayor vetoed this and the mayor's been on this program and as, and as has the police chief uh, jody casper for northampton and has ex- they've both explained the rationale for adding surveillance cameras to downtown northampton um they're very well spoken uh, but the council has been very, many members of the council have been very opposed to this. And just this week, they voted to override the mayor's veto. So now we, it, it, the process is officially finished, and the proposal to add surveillance cameras to downtown uh, Northampton is, for the moment, um, is not going to go through. So. Yeah, and the mayor had made some suggestions that would make it a better bill. Better ordinance. It's mm-hmm. actually an ordinance, I guess, and uh, they they ignored his recommendations. And right. I just I'm I'm shocked because you know I'm a real privacy person. I hate cameras and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But now, if the chief wants to put some cameras up mm-hmm. for some um, investigation, she has to go before the city council, which they will have to do an executive session. Mm. To get permission, I just find it abhorrent that you want your policing group to have to go in front of the Congress. Mm. I'll call it the legis, you know, <laughs> to, in order to do basic. Speak. Yeah, yeah, and it's really it's it's shocking to me. But that I'm a Republican. I just don't I just don't understand why you would defer that to to right. um, city councilors when timing might be of the essence and also executive session minutes even if they can use it which they may not be able to because there's only three reasons you can do executive mm-hmm. session it's like real estate and personnel issues and i think there's one more um if they can do executive session to review anything that the chief puts in front of them those minutes become public 
and you've just removed all the privacy of the individuals. Even if they put cameras up and they found nothing, you'll be able to go back and look at the minutes and see that they put a camera outside my house to see if I had a prostitution ring or something. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's it's really a strange... Yeah. It's a procedural... I think it's ignorant. Forgive me. I think it's ignorant of the city council. But it it, it upsets me because I think... So, so, the, so your concern is that they are putting up roadblocks to the agency of the police chief to perform sort investigations of. and do their and do their job. It's right. sort of like if the fire department said we're going to have to give you a call before we send a fire truck. Hmm. I'm I'm exaggerating, you know. Right, right. But yeah, it's interesting because I didn't realize I'd have such a strong reaction to it, but when it when they when I heard that I was like, yeah, oh, I'll I'll have to see because I What's in it? Yeah. I I I need to better understand to what extent they are prescribing emplacement of cameras anywhere in the city because the initial proposal was for downtown yeah basically for the stretch between um the intersection of old south street and and uh and um king Pleasant? um south not south street but uh state street excuse me and main street to i think the other end would have been pleasant street and king yeah the big intersection yeah so they catch um, cars going through uh, and main street so um I don't know if the, if this yeah, is I a fiat to... against any cameras anywhere in the city because um I think it was static cameras by the police you know it was they they right. there was I I have to read it I think you're really right I apologize cuz I should have read it before it came in and well, said th- but that that's, but that's I, an important concern is yeah. you know to what extent does this actually impede the police force from doing its job. Yeah. And that's something that has to be and taken And it's an executive branch. I, I will admit, I still, and, you know, I think Chief Casper and Mayor Narcoist did a very good job advocating for the cameras. I still have some doubts about how necessary that measure actually was. Yeah. I feel like when I looked at the amount of money, close to 100000 that was going to, I, I kind of wondered. they have to store them and, yeah, and the ability of immigration to grab ex- them. And yeah. this is my exact point, is especially in the context of the DACA debate that we're having and the crackdown on, um, on illegal immigration, how, how accessible are these video files going to be? You know, is this going to be something that the, this, these yeah. have been the concerns that the privacy anti-camera advocates have been raising. Who's going to get to see this footage? Yeah. How, you know, is it going to be used to identify individuals who aren't committing crimes, but may sort of be tagged somewhere and you can prove that they were somewhere at a certain time, which could open them up to becoming a person of interest in a case that they might not be, readily involved in or that you know that somebody might just want to be able to find them for yeah. whatever reason even if it's a federal agency like ice um i was watching 22 w w p yes and they have cameras in northampton and westfield and they they're stationary cameras and they look down right. on the main street and they put it on the air Periodically, so they obviously right. have static cameras here somewhere. Well, yeah, private and, and all the businesses that have yeah, surveillance yeah. cameras that point out. But I was surprised by the station because I, I, I actually have a little trouble with that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny. It's complicated. But yeah, it is. And but the fact they could just broadcast over the air without, you know, yeah. at any time, whether they're showing <laughs> the weather or how snowy it is or how how right. bad the roads are. I mean, that's what they're doing. Or the the i remember last year they were somebody somebody dressed up as a pot monster 
um, and covered themselves in in fake pot leaves and looked like a Sasquatch (laughs) running around Springfield. I'll have to go find that video. Um, We can maybe put that up on our feed. But um, we we are coming to the halfway mark, so... In a few seconds, we'll uh, we'll we'll take some time to play some promos and PSAs and uh, other announcements, and then we will be back uh, after a couple minutes and continue on with the show. We'll be here till eight. This is Civil Politics on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP Northampton, one hundred three point three FM. We'll be back in just a moment. Thank you. Classical music on Valley Free Radio. Tune in to Andy Musique Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. for an hour of beautiful music to start your day. Hosted by Lucy and Larry. This is Andrew Farris of NXS. Hi, this is David Santos with Eddie Japan. Hi, this is Midgeoff Multiple. This is Charlie Crisis, Eddie Lundzen. Hi, I'm John Waters. Hello, this is Mary Gold of Alphaville. Hello, this is Daniel Ash from Bath House, turns on Bell and Love and Rocket. And my name is Wendy, host of Subculture, a music program featuring new wave, electronic, indie, and funk music. You can catch my show every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. But if you miss out, no worries. Hi, my name's Leo, and I use he, him, his pronouns. Hi, my name's AJ, and I use they, them, theirs pronouns. Did you know that sex is your biology and gender is how you identify? You can't assume someone's gender. Based on their clothes. Based on their hair. Based on their voice. Who they hang out with. Who they're attracted to. My gender isn't your business. Ask me my pronouns! Brought to you by the PVPA Student Group for Gender, Sexuality, and Diversity. The Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. You are listening to Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. I'm Mayor David Narkowitz, and I support Northampton's community radio station. Hello, uh, we're back here on Civil Politics, uh, Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. Um, I'm here with uh, Sue Timberlake. I'm here again. <laughs> yes, yeah, still here. I'm, you made it through the break. That's excellent. And um, we might get Mike right. There's a uh, there's yes, a rumor I, I that I should he's say I'm, I'm I'm sitting in for uh, Mr. Mike Dow, who's our usual moderator. 
Um, but um, I'm taking over. I've I've actually uh, administered a coup, and I'm now <laughs> taking over the program, at least for tonight. And I'll support um, you till it gets here, because yeah. I'm totally yellow. I wish it was yellow bloodless. Belly. <laughs> I wish it was a bloodless coup. Bell. No, it's yes, horrible in here. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. The, the, well, you know, you gotta like Stalin said, you gotta make a break a few million eggs to make an omelet. Yeah. Um, but uh, don't don't tell my tanky friends I said that. Um, <laughs> But uh, quick reminder, we have a, a social media presence here for Civil Politics. So you can find us on Twitter at Civil Politics FM and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Civil Politics Radio. Um, and you can find live updates at both of those sites uh, throughout the show. And you can also email us feedback or uh, constructive criticism, trolling, um, un. un- Amazing praise uh, that you love what we do. Civilpoliticsradio at gmail.com. If you troll us on any of our social media platforms, you will get trolled back. <laughs> I, yes. Possibly in, in with interest. I control those. Please do not do that. Yes. If or I'm, if you want to, we have get that, ready. We have that virus we send out, right, that we got on the dark net? Shh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no. so, Most likely you'll get hit with a bunch it. You of wrote it, remember? snarky <laughs> image macros from uh, classic <laughs> comics. Uh, but, <laughs> but yes, we are here uh, covering uh, in somewhat scattershot fashion the, as much of the news of the week as we possibly can, <gasps> as we do every here, uh, here every Friday on Civil Politics. Uh, so, yeah, we've been covering a lot of uh, statewide business. I do uh, want to sidebar a little bit. Um, we were going to talk about, uh, try to give a little update on the um, ongoing marijuana situation here, uh, because that, of course, is an, now a federal issue um, since Attorney General Sessions has uh, declared his intent to uh, rescind the kind of soft Obama-era um, hands-off in uh, non-enforcement of federal cannabis laws, even on, in states that have legalized cannabis use yeah. in within the states um but i do want to kind of uh, remind people that we do have a gubernatorial race the, in uh, massachusetts oh, yeah. this year <laughs> and it is heating up uh we have three um three candidates on the democratic side who are kind of hopefuls to try to knock off uh governor charlie baker republican who we've had since 2014 and um they are as follows seti warren um, who is the mayor of Newton? Was Mass- the mayor? Oh, excuse think, me. Was the mayor of Newton, I Massachusetts? Yeah, I might be wrong, but I think he's the ex-mayor. Oh yes, yeah. but but quite recently, yeah. I think he was yep. he was mayor. Um, I think you're right. Maybe um, up until last year. And uh, Jay Gonzalez, who was a um, cabinet official under the Deval Patrick administration, um, and uh, Bob Massey, who is kind of a sort of a um, left-of-center activist, a bit of a patrician guy, um, has been knocking around Democratic politics in the state for a while. Endorsed by um, Francis yes, Crow, endorsed right? endorsed by Francis Crow, friend of the station. Yeah. Um, and famous Quaker. And famous Quaker. <laughs> I believe that's on his business card. Um, I don't actually know that. But um, it's kind of interesting. They all showed up for an event in Greenfield. I was not able to go, unfortunately, at the last minute. 
Um, oh, I've, for a debate. Yeah, I saw that in the paper. I was so bummed because, you know, as a Republican, I never get told right. when debates are. But I do like to go <laughs> and find yeah, out what I, the opponents are doing. My understanding was less of a debate than a um, kind of town hall. Oh, okay. Um, you know, they they were hands and, off yeah. with each other a little bit. But um, I don't know. Charlie Baker is, first of all, a very popular governor. I mean, his approval ratings are excellent i think at one point and this may still be the case but he was had the best approval ratings of any governor in the state i'm not a supporter of his but i think he has um governed very Certainly even keel kind of guy yeah very yeah. even keel he has he's avoided the romney route where you know he's he he doesn't pander to the national party um and he kind of keeps he works with the legislature um he sort of avoids controversial you know he doesn't put his foot in his mouth so if that continues to be the case he's going to be a tough nut to crack even in what i think is going to be a fairly anti-republican midterm election coming up so and um that is compounded by the fact that i that looking at the democratic bench in massachusetts which is fairly deep um, the two most eligible statewide figures, who I would consider to be Mara Healy, Attorney General, oh, yeah. and yep. uh, Mr. Walsh, the governor, of Bo- uh, governor, the mayor of Boston, Marty, uh, Marty Walsh. <laughs> um, ne- neither of them have stepped up for this yeah. race. I think, I think they're holding d- their powder. Yeah, for- I think they're. Um, they figure that Charlie's hard to beat, but they also want to do another term. Right. You, you know, sometimes you want to have like two terms get reelected. In a good, yeah, and there is gives... kind of a, a tradition in this state, and it's not. I thought we had term limits. Turns out we actually don't. But there's a tradition of kind of like the there was a tradition with the national presidency until FDR of having two terms and then you're yeah. done. And I suspect Baker will probably adhere to that. Um, and so 2022, yeah. if he doesn't get knocked off, I think we will see. Either Healy or Walsh, or maybe both of them. Thousands will come out of the woodwork on on both sides. It'll be an open. Open. But I do want to remind people, since, you know, sometimes we we look at national politics and don't concentrate as much on state politics, that that is ongoing. And the, the primary date for the... since we have these three Democratic pr- um, candidates. Oh, right. And that was the one they were going to move because is, of the holiday. Right. Uh, it is. Uh, do we ha- actually hang on? Maybe I shouldn't report on this because uh, because it was being moved. Uh, or they were going to do early vote. They hadn't decided yet. I don't know. Maybe did. I thought Galvin decided what he was going to do. I don't I don't know if we have a date Secretary for Galvin. the. the pro- oh, OK. No. Um, excuse me. Mass live. I will. I will. Uh, Send this over, and we can put it up on the website. As of the 9th, it's been reported, Massachusetts state primary is set for Tuesday, September 4th, 2018. So 20, September 4th, 2018 is the date of that primary. So When's um, Labor Day? I Labor Day. Is it that Good weekend? Question. <laughs> so you have Monday off, and then you have to remember to vote on Tuesday. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, maybe it's early Although, this year. Yeah, if you can do early voting. Um, yeah, so... Um, but I, do, I since yeah. we I know we had talked about that on a it, previous show. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to square that circle. Um, yeah, that's good. Keep an eye out. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they differentiate themselves. Labor Day is the third. 
Oh, so you have a long weekend and then vote. <laughs> yeah, we so should the, have I, a four-day weekend because so of that, but, you know, whatever. Sign-holding and all that stuff that goes on that weekend, everybody will be out day and night oh, yeah. on bridges yeah. with signs and, yeah, I love Barbecuing. Barbecuing, yeah. Then the signs catch on, on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Just some signs. Riot! Then they have to call the call the Congress to, to send the fire truck. Yes, yeah. yes. As long as I they don't have to clear it with the back. city council. <laughs> Last time I called Marky, a fire truck didn't show up for five hours. No. <laughs> if, I, if, if I could call my Congress people and have them send a fire truck to my house, that would be good constituent services. Um, but that's <laughs> unlikely to happen. You wouldn't really want to wait for them to pick that up in Washington, would you? Well, exactly. Every time I call, I have to leave a message lately. Yeah. Um, but um, I... Uh, also, quick update on net neutrality. Can I go back to Seti Warren just for yes, a second? Yes, please. So people may not remember, but he was actually the front runner before Elizabeth Warren got in the Senate race. Oh. And he very graciously stepped aside. He didn't run. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of the folks locally supported Seti Warren for the Senate seat. Interesting. So he's got a he's got a good. He um, may be the front runner for yeah. this. And as at well. that yeah, and that time he was still the mayor and i think you're right i think it, he just ended his term i don't know when he ended his term but i think it was yeah. really recently He's probably so. setting up for this yeah so i wouldn't be surprised if a local uh the local democratic party supports him pretty strongly here although with the francis crow with her uh endorsement of um massey, Bob massey Bob yeah massey he i i don't see him as having as much of a base of support within the party he seems popular with sort of um He's a very good advocate, right? He's yeah. like a superstar. And he has advocate. a he's been around a while and yeah. has, you know, has racked up a lot of he's done a lot of work on various causes. Um Jay Gonzalez seems to be to be more of the kind of Democratic Party insider because he's worked his way up through yep. different administrations. He's gotten a fair number he's gotten a handful of endorsements from state representatives. Um uh, but Seti Warren, uh, you know, just yeah. judging by my inbox, since apparently I'm on all three of their Maryland lists <laughs> somehow, um, it seems Bernie like... Bernie sold your name. Just kidding. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> I don't have one of those names that is like, uh, you know, I can I can bypass the Google. But um, I, it seems to me that this is shaping up to be a contest between Warren and Gonzalez. Maybe Massey will make a break for it, and we'll ha- we'll see some interesting action... And we'll have a, a good three-way race, and I would yeah. like to see that. Yeah, it's good um, for politics to have that. But I would, um, yeah. So quick update for net neutrality. For those of you who've been following along, we had the FCC vote to repeal the Title II regulations that effectively put net neutrality in place um, for all Internet service providers on the 14th of December. There has been a motion introduced to excuse me, has, it will be introduced to the Senate by Senator Ed Markey here in Massachusetts. Oh, good for him. Um, it's, a congress, it's, congre- it's under the Congressional Review Act, which is a provision by which Congress can take action to repeal or override um, regulations or uh, measures put in place by federal agencies such as the FCC. So that is now making its way through the Senate. Uh, there are 40-odd, it's upwards of 40, last I saw 45 supporters and co-sponsors. So it's actually been moving quite quickly. In the Senate. Um, in the Senate. Uh, Susan Collins of, of Maine signed on as the first Republican to, to, co- to not co-sponsor but support the measure uh, two days ago, I want to say. So 
now, of course, once it passes the Senate, it moves to the House. That's a whole other battle, and it's an up. It's going to be an uphill battle. But I will um, scuttlebutt that I hear on the street is that um, lobbyists for internet service providers working on the Hill have been very surprised at the progress of the CRA and how many co-sponsors it's picked up in the Senate. So if that momentum can carry forward. Um, it will be, you know, I think it'll be interesting to watch. And I think it is, even if this Congressional Review Act um, push fails, ultimately, it's setting net neutrality up as an electoral issue for the 2018 elections. How did you vote? And Yeah, oh, good. good I good. think it, it has a potential to mobilize the youth vote, especially the millennial vote, because everyone's been talking about this. Social media has been a light for months talking about it. Um, and I should, I should make clear, full disclosure, I work with an organization, Free Press, that is very active on net neutrality. I am a very firm advocate for net neutrality. So, of course, you know, I, that's, that is my stance um, that I'm coming from. But I do think it's a very important measure. And it's an example of these kinds of uh, backdoor or sort of less public political moves that are going on behind all of this daily news cycle and, you know, uh, Trump referring to the third world as blank hole countries. This, these are the kinds of, you know, um, this is real stuff that we need tax reform, all this other stuff. That is what you, you know, that is where the actual material, you know, that's where the, the rubber meets the road. Essentially. These are the actions that are actually going to affect our daily lives. So it's, you know, as much as we get caught up in the news cycle, and by these kind of daily outrages and, you know, this clickbait, I understand everyone needs to vent. But try to turn that off and just What's take what's a, actually happening here. <laughs> yeah, just really read down, you know, your news feed and see what's actually important and, and try to follow the progress of the big legislative actions because that, that, that's what actually determines policy. Um, and you know, um, as a Republican... I'm very much in favor of net neutrality in Title oh, yes. Two, and you know it's not it's not really a political issue. It's it's basically a special interests issue. It's, right. It's giving, you know, it's it's letting somebody buy up the uh, town commons. <laughs> you know exactly, so, and that so has I been agree an, with you totally on this one, Stefan. So yeah, that, that that's great to hear, and you're not alone. No, um, polling for net neutrality has been, you know, it's rare to find an issue where you can get an incredible amount of support, but um, The Hill uh, put out uh, or released the results of a poll. This was uh, just in the, uh, just a couple days before the FCC voted in November. Um, 83% of voters supported keeping the net neutrality rules. 83, uh, when do you see 83% Never. support for anything? Nothing. And that includes <laughs> 75% of Republicans, 89% of Democrats, and 86% of independents. Um, and we can have that up on on the website um, or on Facebook. Um, so, yeah, again, this is an issue where once voters understand what it means and that this essentially protects the Internet as you know it, it's almost a no-brainer. Yeah. But, it, but it, you know, again, we have special interests. We, there's a lot of money to be made here for, for a handful oh, of companies. Oh, huge. If you can extract um, rent. Oh yeah, God. exactly. It's a rent-seeking measure. So you have Google and everybody was making money because of the clickbait, but then you have this other layer of right. rents, you know. Rent yeah, seeking. and it's, you know, Aaron Swartz, who was um, 
a big advocate for sort of a deregulated open source open use internet um passed away uh, he took his own life uh five years ago yesterday and he was a big uh he was he was behind the uh in large part the uh opposition to the sopa uh pipa uh privacy rules that got introduced in congress and were um, eventually dropped and did not pass because of unprecedented public opposition. And he was also a big supporter of net neutrality. And, you know, he, he sort of made this point that the Internet is this groundbreaking communication technology that we've never seen the likes of before and that affords us incredible access to information and also to communicate with others. And the world. And, and the world. It, yeah, not just right. a U.S.-based communication system. It's Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. that we can't be complacent and we can't imagine it's always going to be in the form that it is. It has to be protected. It's not just a fact of life like the weather. Um, and, you know, if and you look at how, you know, other countries like China have sort of circumscribed and um, put up firewalls for different information. I don't think we're going to see that kind of top-down push from the government, but we could see c corporations and companies um, determining what, what we can see, that essentially. Is, that, is, that is their incentive. Right. I mean, it's not evil. It's just... Well, exactly, yeah. It's just their job is to make money yeah. and to generate and a profit can, for their shareholders. And if they can extract it and price discriminate, they're going to do it all day long. Right. There is a difference between amoral and evil. Yes. This is mm -hmm. amoral. Amoral, yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a, some people conflate those, uh, but an amoral act is different from an evil act. One is out of malice, right. and one is they don't, like nobody, they, they don't care about the outcome. Yeah. Um, right. It, it can be the same. It can be the, like uh, people that um, voted for. My my opinion, people that voted for for the president for whatever reason, they that wasn't a moral for if it wasn't a moral call, it was still complicit in a it, with with mm. uh, some would call an evil person um, or an amoral person. But that the the issue of the company is an amoral one mm -hmm. and not and some people might call an evil one. I just want to make sure right. yeah. that this was. Good, thank you. Yeah, no, that's that's an important distinction to make. This is why I. It's very Republican in that you that businesses right do what they do, and you just need to know that. It's, well, this yeah. is why I'm sort of opposed to corporate the concept of corporate personhood, and I'm kind of curious where you come down <laughs> on that, Sue, because I know that has essentially, and we are coming to the end of our time, but we still have a couple minutes left. I heard a Republican say a really funny thing. Yeah, which was. Since the Supreme Court decided that corporations were people, mm -hmm. then the tax rate for the corporations is now the individual rate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. like, you cannot have it both ways. You can't, right. <laughs> you can't be. Well, that's a good demonstration. Yeah. Of because but corporations are not people. There's a reason they were incorporated. I think if Mike was here, he'd probably give us the history of the um, Bay yeah. um, it it goes Bay back Company. To the late yeah. 19, uh, excuse me, late 1800s, yeah. um, where essentially... Well, the uh, Hudson Bay Company and and how how the English actually owned the the way the businesses were working, where they were actually taken advantage of. So our corporation structure is very different than the right. British one to protect people, and they yeah. used to expire every year. They had to seek they had to seek reincorporation right. every year, so they changed that. Yeah. I'm sorry, I no no that's that's a that's a very you know that's exactly kind of 
the point I was making is that we have these essential le legal constructs that allow commerce to happen and allow individuals to indemnify themselves and do business. Yep. But that is not the you know this idea where we have uh, you know large corporations essentially acting as individuals with privacy civil rights, rights, civil yeah. rights, religious but they rights, have the power of governments. I mean, these big, you Especially know, the multinationals. The high, the, these multinational, yes, these multinational corporations. They have the revenue level. They have the agency that is far beyond what almost every person, individual person, enjoys in terms of um, the money they can put to causes, the amount of influence they can provide. You know, and they're they're not beholden. You know, the it sounds inflammatory, but the idea is corporations are essentially sociopathic. They're there. They, they have no moral interest outside of themselves. They're there to generate profit for the business Self -centered, owner. Self-centered, yep. yeah. Or, or the shareholders. Yep. They can't be relied on, to, and we and shouldn't, shouldn't expect be. them. Yeah, and you shouldn't make, expect. Yeah, to make decisions. Except that for Ben and Jerry's. Benefit, except for Ben and Jerry's. Um, yeah. No, not anymore. Oh, not anymore? They've gone down the tubes? They, aren't they publicly? Oh, are they publicly oh, traded? they're publicly traded, yeah. Um, never mind. Well, at, at the very least, they've they have long since rescinded that rule that they that they had that the executives can only make 50 times more than the than the lowest oh. employee um it's they keep bumping up. i think it's like 300 percent now or something. Oh, okay so. and walmart all this stuff recently about walmart changing the minimum wage and adding adoption benefits i mean that is public right but did you see they relations. closed like 60 something sam's and you bet the, without telling the employees and the employees right. that get severance what do you bet they're going to count those dollars to this new bonus to the people right oh yeah yeah, yeah they'll 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 Something because like that's 11, who they are thousand jobs i think yeah that, you know. but that's that's how it that is how it, it just is so right. i i don't mean to be apologist for the industry but oh no no <laughs> yeah uh, you know but this is you know we we have a lot of debates between the left and the right about the role of the private sector and public sector and you know i think a lot of even fairly conservative people would say there's got to be a balance yeah um you know so, anyway, <laughs> well, and we have come to—we're uh, close to the end of our time on the program. Um, and coming up at eight here, we have subculture with DJ Wendy. So please stick around for that. And after that, uh, table of contents uh, with DJ Mark. So plenty of great content coming at you. I uh, just wanted to say, um, sorry, uh, yeah. the. We have a notice in the in the studio from one of our programmers. Oh, MLK um, Day. It is M it is Martin Luther King Jr. Day uh, yes. on the fifteenth. Uh, so th if you go to the resistancecenter dot org, there are uh, a bunch of events happening um, in and around Florence. Uh, one starting at ten a.m. and Afro American Heritage Walking Tour mm. uh, starting at uh, Sojourner Truth Statue. So. Um, if you're interested in learning a little bit of history about uh, Sojourn of Truth and uh, the connection that Florence has uh, with her, then um, you should go to the resistancecenter.org and check that out. And that's Monday the 15th? That's Monday yes, the 15th. Monday. That is MLK Day. Awesome. Yes, definitely check that out. Um, we may talk about that more next week, uh, but either way, we will be back next week. Come find us next Friday, 7 to 8 p.m., every Friday here on Valley Free Radio. Um, so thanks for joining us. Uh, we will be back and uh, have a great weekend and a great rest of your week. Enjoy.